Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's maybe not a bad thing we have to record again because last time I remember I'd had another podcast before we started recording which had kind of gone not off the rails but we ended up going for like two and a half hours and we started drinking. So by then, by the time I came on here, I was uh, I was on the wine. <laughs> you were a bit... A little tipsy. Yeah, I mean, wine, it can get you swimming. <laughs> 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 or me at least, red wine. Yeah, it's lethal. It's the only thing that ever gives me a hangover as well. Same. Or, I mean, I love it. I love it so much, but even if I have a little bit, I get... Love like, of a headache. I have the, the next most day. wretched hangover. Yeah. It's like its own thing, which sometimes can be nice. I feel like it's like a not a beer or liquor hangover. <laughs> it's just everything's a little gray. <laughs> yeah. It just it, it hits you. How far is Boston yeah. from LA? 3,000 miles. Whoa. So, wait, so, how did you get back yeah. from LA? Like, how did you travel? I flew. You flew. Yeah. And then I got vaccinated right when I got home. Oh, perfect. <laughs> just like uh you know they, they're raffling them off around here the extras so i just got in and i got i got hit literally an hour after i got home I heard, what's go, how does that work like they're going out of date or something so they're just trying to get rid of them yeah yeah uh they have cancellations they have ones that are going bad and essentially within a certain group then you can just you just refresh the page till you get a spot. So wow, but it was it was crazy. It was like it was a red eye, so I hadn't slept for forty eight hours, and then I get the vax hit, <laughs> so then I feel sick, and it was my birthday, and I hadn't eaten anything <laughs> because I wasn't gonna eat in the airport, and then I had two drinks, and I was just like so drunk and so delirious, and. Couldn't tell, couldn't differentiate if it was the sleep deprivation or the shot or the alcohol. 
It's a real cocktail of emotions going on there. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was something. <laughs> How? So is it one flight from Boston to LA, or do you have to do a couple? It was just one. Just one straight shot. What do you do yeah. when you're on the plane? What's your kind of form of go-to entertainment when you're traveling? I just like, man, I watch three. Well, I mean, I watch kind of good movies this time, but usually I make a point to to watch like three pretty bad movies in a row. I can't. I can't sleep. I can't do it. I wish I could, but you know, even if we're we're flying to Europe, I will watch movies until we are there. I mean, especially if you've got a mask on, like yeah, 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 two masks. But uh, what I watched this time, I actually watched. I watched Uncut Gems. Great. And I watched Shawshank Redemption, and I watched which I'd never seen. It was just like you know, so such a classic like '90s blockbuster in so many ways. And then I watched uh, The Lighthouse, which was fun. That's a good trio. Yeah, yeah, it really was. I was, I was surprised. Usually, I mean, I'm kind, I kind of love that, like, there's only kind of crappy movies on airplanes, you know? Yeah. You just, like, can watch your bubble gum and it's fun. But, uh, but that was nice, too. I mean, I mean, Uncut Gems, it also, you know, it's chaotic in a chaotic time it felt it felt like it suited uh what is flying in covid <laughs> yeah was it busy or was the plane pretty dead no it was busy and there's this guy in front of me who kept taking his mask off and i was just like what do you do yeah <laughs> there's always one but it was fine i didn't get covid so and then you got vaccinated yeah i know i know can, can traveling prompt creativity uh I don't, I mean, honestly, that was the first time I've traveled in that sort of way where I'm flying to a destination that was, you know, that wasn't band related. Kind of the first time ever where I just went somewhere on my own. And um, so that was really inspiring. But um, I mean, definitely. But at the same time, I I don't really, I think I collect things and just take a lot in. But I'm, I can't like, I'm not someone who can write on the road in a in a here's a song kind of way but but you know i mean you just you just see things things happen that wouldn't happen if you're in your house so i would say yes what images stick out to you from la then when you think back to that trip what are the kind of postcard images well that this come to one mind? i mean this one i was in topanga and Topanga's really kind of quiet and pretty and hippy dippy and i didn't go I wasn't in the city quite as much, but my previous impressions, I always felt like the city was some like somewhat evil, um, <laughs> even though I, I love it there. But it's just like there's this darkness sort of in everything, you know, there's or you know, the first time we played there, I just it immediately clicked why so many cults started there because there's just <laughs> a lot of like very lost people or people that are searching for an identity or like a a sense of self. Yeah, the, the city of broken dreams. And the, yeah, there's there's like a palpable desperation there. You know? Or like a lot of people are there because they want to become something. I like that I phrase, palpable desperation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, man, I like had this crazy experience where like I went out with a friend to a party and it was all of these like this really weird party. It was like all of these models from all over it's like a model house, which is like a house 
for all the models. <laughs> um, I was talking to this Irish guy who just got there and he was like 19 and he was like, I've never modeled before. And they told me to come here and I don't know if I'm going to work. I don't know when I'm going to work. And it was just this, um, I didn't know how I ended up there. He just like his, his terror just rubbed off on me. And then I, I left that party because it was making me feel strange. <laughs> Basically, everyone I knew in town had gone to bed and no one was answering their phone and my phone was dying. Is that 5% or something? And so I just started walking into downtown LA, which is like rough, like not the place you, no, you, you want to. No, you want to put through. What yeah. time are we talking? Like 3 a.m. or something? 3 a.m. And I'm just like, okay, I can't find anybody. I'm just going to get a motel. And every single motel I went to had no vacancy. And it's getting later and later. Yeah, I was just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I don't know what's going to happen. And then serendipitously, an old friend of mine just happened to be in town and like called me at three in the morning. I was like, what's up? And uh, they, they saved me. But it felt like all of LA condensed into a single uh, night. Is that experience <laughs> not a little like, bit exciting when you've been stuck inside for like the best part of a year? Even if it's oh, a little yeah. crazy. Well, well that, was, that was when we were on tour. Oh, that okay, was, so this is a while ago. That was ago. in this trip, oh, but okay. that, that was the trip where I just was feeling the evil. All that, all that said, I do like it. What is it that draws you to it on the opposing side? Just the kind of glamour and the excitement of it? Uh, it's just nice. I think, like, equally being out here, it's, you know, people don't move here to become stars or, like, to do anything like that. So, they're, like, no one gives a shit. Like, you just get some much-needed perspective of, like, oh, the things I care about. Like, not everyone cares about this. Which is great. But then, you know, the flip of LA is like, everyone there works in entertainment. So once you get past the glitz and glam, it's just, I have a lot of friends there. I have like a lot of people that inspire me there, you know, because that's, I mean, it's dense with that. It's a place that stuff can happen. So that, that aspect is, you know, just exciting and fun. Um, it's warm. <laughs> you don't have the Boston winners. <laughs> oh, I fucking hate them. I hate, I hate winter. I've never gotten used to it. It never gets easier. I feel like uh, I try to forget it every single year. So it's never become less shocking. You know, I just like put it out of mind and I'm like, what? It, again? So. Didn't America get hit with like a weird snowstorm this year all over though? Was it not like snowing in Texas and stuff? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was snowing in Texas. That doesn't happen, does it? I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, not real. I mean, not not like that. That was that was freakish. I would say uh, it's like it's all. Oh, it's not part of the grid. So uh, their their electric their electric system is like privatized. So instead of doing what everyone else does, where you know other states or other parts of the grid will give people without power power. It it uh made it so Texans electricity bills. I think some people have like a hundred thousand dollar electricity bills from what? however long the month or like three weeks, and uh they're just like this is the best we can do. There is no other answer. You say a hundred thousand? Hundred thousand? Yeah, it's crazy. And wait, what, what is that just for like a house or what? What are you? 
a hundred. I think that's for a house. Yeah, just some people's bills. America's such an odd country. Sometimes it's 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 like uh, I mean, every time we go to Europe, I'm like, wow, we live in a goofy place. Yeah, it's it's a funny place, an inspiring place though, because that's kind of what fed into the new record when you or the last record, sorry, kind of still new. When was that? Yeah. A year ago, pretty much. A year ago, yeah. When you have like the yeah. whole kind of Tony Soprano thing you were speaking about as well, and the way you kind of center yourself around that. Yeah, totally. It's almost like the classic kind of American mindset, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's sort of, and that's the thing. I feel like a lot of what makes that show, like it, it's after the. Does the housing crash play into that show? No, no. I think no. it was done like two thousand four, wasn't it? Yeah, kind of wrapped yeah, up yeah. around that. No, what am I saying? But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the the themes and like a lot of what that show covers is like um, transferable outside of like this guy is a wise guy, <laughs> you know, more to a general like American way of life. I mean, it would be interesting to watch it back after the housing crisis. You'd probably see a lot of things in it that would... Yeah. No, I was thinking of Breaking... I was thinking of Breaking... I just watched Breaking Bad, and that's, like, taking place post-housing crisis, which I didn't really remember the first time I watched it. I think it was pretty fresh, because it only started, like, in the year after it, didn't it? Yeah. That's pretty much as yeah. it was happening. Yeah, I just started rewatching that show, too, which I don't even... I don't know if I'm ready. It's emotionally taxing. Just didn't... Terms of the journey, you can. Well, I mean, what is it? Six seasons or something? It's yeah, six seasons. I mean, they just cover every topic that is difficult. Or I mean, my friend was saying they were saying it's like there's a reason these came out once a week. You are not supposed to watch these in rapid <laughs> succession because they're very intense. But that's the th- okay. I watched the pilot again, and I was like, wow, this is so much lighter than I remember it. But that show sort of ramps up really quick. Like the first season or the first episode and parts of the first season, they're like cartoonish almost, you know, it's like caricatures of, uh, I don't know, like what you think of like an Italian American gangster. <laughs> and then it just spirals for five seasons. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting what you were saying there about how they kind of cover every topic. That's a difficult topic to approach in terms of American culture. Do you ever think about an album in that way? Will you ever kind of sit down and think, what do I want to cover in this? What do I want to approach and what do I want to try and talk about with my music and my art? No, not really. I just uh, really, and I think all of us in the band, you know, we don't, uh, I don't, I just don't want to try to speak to anything that I don't personally know about and I'm not talking about. You're like, I like to, if, I feel like a lot of our our music and like if there is any political overtone or undertone, it's like that is a facet of a personal experience that I'm reporting on. And anything outside of that is feels like preaching to me. And I just I don't like being patronized by uh, artists, you know, I don't think I just like I don't really I don't think it's effective. I don't think it's artful to just. Uh, tell people what they need to think yeah do you think music do you actually can music be a tool for change or is that something that just people who want it to be no i definitely think so but i think it's like i i think more generally writing and a lot of political writing it's like you have to give um the listener the reader the you can't patronize them you have to let them come to a conclusion so if you're if you're someone that writes or speaks in absolutes, 
then you're not really allowing room. And if you're not if you're not using narrative as a way to like create something that is complex and multifaceted and good and bad, then it's it's just not really truthful. And or it's just I don't know. I just think it's boring, you know, it's less authentic. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's I don't know. It's also that's just not the way things are and the way people are, you know, I guess I'll, I'm just saying I just try to like talk about things that uh, have happened to me because I I know how to talk about them. And if I was talking about something else, I would probably say something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Did have you always written like that? When when you first started off writing, were you drawn to writing about the personal experiences, or do you start by writing about broader things and then kind of figure out that you need to hone in on those specific elements of your life? No, I mean, I think it's always just been pretty emotionally driven, you know. So it usually comes from uh, something doesn't happen. And I go, oh, I'm gonna write about that. It's just coming from a place of like I'm feeling something and. As a result, I am now writing. Just in notebooks and stuff. Yeah. I've never... Or, I mean, I'll jot. I do a lot of jotting tidbits. And then... um, That's the thing, too. Like, a lot of writing, if it's within a similar time frame, there will be a lot of... There will be a lot of through lines just because I'm sort of thinking about the same thing or within the same, you know, umbrella or world. And then I'll piece those together. Yeah, I've never really been one to like take on a topic. It's like, okay, I'm writing my uh, song about X, Y, Z. I mean, sometimes it'll happen, but it's not. It's not like the 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 thought to doesn't come first. You know, you you know, you're saying you always kind of write from a place of emotion. What emotion do you find yourself writing from most often? I feel like I think it's funny because people are like, oh, your song is your music is so like sort of light. And I feel like there's a lot of darkness in it. That's what the whole loud self thing kind of was. Yeah, yeah. So the catharsis of it. Yeah, exactly. So I, I feel like I sort of tend to write about like um some heavier things, like a lot of I don't know, like a lot of duality and like paradox and uh, but then a lot of humor too. I don't know. I think the new music it's sort of even split of a uh, somewhat hopeful and then also just uh, reckoning. Uh, I don't know. It's like a dizzying amount of stress. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing too. It's it's hard to like comment on that stuff because a lot of it is uh you don't really get to choose how your music makes people feel. So like people are like your music makes me happy, and I'm like okay. <laughs> or people are like you have happy music, and I'm like you are the ultimately the person who decides. <laughs> In a way, you know. Are you are you writing more on piano now? Uh, n- not. Have you come back to guitar? Some, but yeah. The the thing we just recorded, I was, I definitely kind of fell back in love with guitar. But I played today. I'm I'm trying to start again. It's sort of it's sort of a breaking a seal kind of thing for me. But that being said, there's there's a lot of keyboard and synths and whatnot on the new on the new thing um are they occupying a different role if they weren't driving the writing process as much this term around yeah yeah definitely it's more just um well i mean a lot of them are leads so they they're still taking the place of what might have in the past been a uh guitar and then on one of them we use a sub synth bass and we there's no i mean the bass is sort of like a a accompaniment 
And um, the synth is the low end of the track. So it has, that was sort of a change up for us. But I don't know. I mean, we're, we've sort of embraced using drum pads, synths, sub basses, and whatever else to sort of build a song out. And in a lot of ways, I think we're trying to get away from guitar based drums, you know? It's the thing with time as well, though, isn't it? It's like as you progress, you start to gather more tools and then you can kind of. It's a different thing once you've finished. Ex- or I was going to say it's a different thing once you've finished exploring them. It's a different thing once you've finished that initial exploration of the new instrument. Yeah. And then you can kind of bring it in and occupy it in a different way. Definitely. Definitely. And that's the thing. I mean, when you don't really know what you're doing with something, there's so much discovery that happens and it keeps it exciting um because things happen and you don't know how or why and uh when you start if you don't really know how to play your instrument that well yet then you have that excitement and as you go along you have to find new ways to sort of push yourself out and uh get yourself in that place again of like feeling like i don't know what i'm doing where are you finding it lately i've just been yeah i've been trying to sing a lot more because i just find that's the thing i will do last and it's always, I mean, I don't know, singing has always, I love singing, but it's um, it's mildly embarrassing because it's so much more like intimate in this way than strumming a guitar, you know? Like, if you're sitting around with friends and then someone just starts singing, you know? That would be different than if someone just starts like tapping a beat. So yeah, I just want to lean into that more. And I don't know, voices are just wild how connected they are to like how you're feeling and i don't know they're just tell you a lot i think in terms of maybe things you're feeling that you didn't realize yeah yeah absolutely i mean and it tells people how to feel about what uh you're saying or singing you know it's just i don't know it's like have you ever seen that guy from Eamon dune sing no which this was a very simple thing that sort of blew my mind but his record, his last record is just like so emotive. And then I watched a live video and it's like, oh, this is a sad, this part sounds like he's going to cry. He literally looks like he's about to cry because of that, that's changing his voice or like, this is the happy part. And he looks so happy. And now that's changed. You know, it's just like, it's super simple. I was like, oh, if you change your face or if you emote while you are singing, then the noise that's coming out of you will be drastically different and also tell people how to feel uh, and i was just like <laughs> but that's probably really obvious to a lot of people but but to me i was just like wow do you want to tell people how to feel in that way though well because there's a line that where you don't want to push it too much it's more just i guess it's like it's a cue and it's all i it's more of like expressing what you you want to express i guess you know what i mean or i guess you communicating that uh effectively not being misinterpreted yeah yeah how has the way you communicate through your music kind of changed over the course of the records um in terms of the way you you convey that and the message of what you want to say i feel like they've sort of gotten a little more straightforward yeah maybe a little less veiled but then i don't know i mean they just i and i also i don't have a grasp of that until the record's done i'm sort of looking at it yeah, I don't I don't really know. That's the thing too. I don't I don't think about our records after they come out really. I'm just like, well, that is dead to me now. And then <laughs> I'm focused on 
uh, what we're doing next. When do you take stock then? Yeah, I think I think when it's when we decide it's actually done, that's when I'm sort of I don't know. Uh sort of I mean, but then that's the thing. Like I had to listen to those songs. I just never would listen to those songs for no reason. Cause you you just listen to them so many goddamn times. But I'm we're we're adding our songs to this like library thing right now and I had to listen to all the songs to figure out the keys for everything. And there were moments where I was like, oh, that, that's, that's actually all right. You know, where I'm like, good job, 19-year-old Brandon. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of nice. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing too. It's just like, I think, I think a lot of people, they just sort of always want to focus on what they're excited about at the moment. I mean, we started the band when we were 17 and put out our first record when we were like, 17 or 18 I think or I think I was 17 or maybe even 16 no I wasn't 16 2013 I was 18 uh but so much like that's seven years and seven very formative years that you just you're just like such a different person by the end of well, that especially when so it's, it's 18 to 25 like yeah yeah totally it's a big period of transition uh, yeah exactly so so there is this aspect of um just like oh, that's what I did, <laughs> or I don't know I I don't I don't I don't like go. But one thing I do think is interesting is a lot of teenagers recently have been like really caught up on um Gawk, our second album, and it just it makes a lot of sense to me because I wrote that fresh out of high school and just it just feels like a I wrote it mostly when I was a teenager. And it came out when I was a teenager and I'm, I just feel like it makes sense that teenagers identify with that, you know, because that's where everything we were feeling was coming from. And that's all that energy. And but it's funny because it, it just sort of has seen this like second wave of new teens getting into it. I mean, not many artists probably get that opportunity. Like how many artists would put out their first record when they're 17? There's a very small section of artists that's able to capture that moment as it is at that time. Yeah. I mean, what's the average age? Probably like 23 or something, 25 people put out the first record? Well, it's like, it's just changed so much too because we put that record out and then sort of toured on the DIY level for two years and it just slowly, slowly, slowly built a following and then grew and grew and grew and then became this thing. And then the same thing happened with Gawk. And now it's like either people wait and they wait and they wait and they're a fully formed, uh, fully matured band and then they drop their first record or people drop their first thing, nothing happens and then they don't have a career or they drop it and it explodes and then they're just like not ready thrown into this thing of like, okay, you need to make record. Okay, you need to tour for 15 months, you know, just all this stuff. And it's... um. It's weird because I think the way we came up, I don't really know. I mean, I definitely believe in like slow and low, but just a lot of things have changed that sort of make that harder to do. It feels like even in terms of housing in the States and like the way cities have changed of there's not really the same infrastructure in place that's like, oh, yeah, there's DIY venues in every city or I don't know, just like the cost of living has changed what's there but yeah it's i don't know it's it's funny and it's i'm just glad it happened the way it did because i think if we did have all of this 
fast success, I think we just would not have handled it very well because we were literal children. <laughs> it's almost impossible to navigate. I mean, child stars are the example of that. Yeah. Oh, man. But it's also, I mean, I've seen it happen with, I mean, even your early 20s, I've definitely seen artists where I'm like, oh, you're on the ride right now. Like it either breaks them or, or at least for a year or I don't know. It just like, it can get to you. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We've just been lucky where it's been slow enough where it's like, okay, this is how you tour for two months straight without losing your mind. It's how you do an entire record cycle without losing your mind. Like, I mean, have you always managed to steer quite clear of that or have there been times where you've kind of skirted? Close oh to yeah, there's been some skirting. <laughs> there's been some definite skirting. I mean, that's the thing too. You just you sort of go along. You go, wow, I'm I'm so burnt, and sort of have to adjust accordingly so you can keep doing it. Yeah, the smell smoke. By the end of that touring cycle, we were just kind of shells. It's a very heavy record too, like topically. Yeah, I mean. It was heavy. It was weird doing press sometimes. Like I felt like people, a lot of journalists were really cool about everything and would sort of debrief with me before we talk about the record. And then some would just ask some like shockingly blunt questions. And I'd just be like, God, why did, I don't know you. <laughs> There's a real but, um, lack of empathy in a lot of music journalism. Like they, ne- they wouldn't put themselves in the person's shoes and think, how would I react if someone asked me this on a camera or whatever? Yeah. Well, it's just, it's, it's tricky too when, you, when you're writing from a place that is like personal and true. And uh, I just, I understand the, the need to like form a narrative around something to have it be an article or a piece of writing or, you know, a narrative, which is what journalists do. But at the same time, it does feel like there's this like, pornographic or what I call it suffer porn where it's just basically you have to justify everything you made with like the terrible hardship that you went through to make it which I don't know I think it's just kind of bullshit and it's just you know I I felt really conflicted with that um because I was like this is true like this happened this is like my life and this is where I'm writing from but at the same time like I'm definitely not the kind of person that would just divulge this to strangers, but I also don't want to uh, seem like I'm speaking in more general terms or terms that don't apply to who I am. So it's just tricky. Uh, but I think that's that's like the tricky thing of uh, being in the public eye in any capacity. Yeah, I was saying the same thing to someone the other week. We were talking about how it's a very different thing discussing topics that are quite close to you in music than in a conversation especially a recorded one because mm-hmm. i mean when you're putting in your music you get the time to kind of labor over it and put a lot of thought into i'm saying this exactly how i want to say i'm revealing exactly as much as i want to reveal but when you're in that spontaneous moment in the middle of a chat there's none of that kind of forward thought because you tr- you have to say it very quickly you don't get the time to probably think it through yeah absolutely absolutely yeah, I mean, when you're talking, it's it's easier to accidentally fall into speaking in declaratives of like, this is about this, this is how I feel about this, which I don't really like to do in uh, my music, or like a certain amount of ambiguity or paradox or like, um, 
room for more than one possibility is important for me. And sometimes if people have made up their mind of like, oh, so this is about this, so talk about that, then you're just like, okay, I'm talking about it instead of like, no, it's not. You know what I mean? So you can sort of get, um, you can get boxed in, in a way, which is fine. I mean, it's not like, I'm happy to do interviews. I kind of like doing it more now than, than I ever have. But um, yeah, I kind of just stopped sweating them too. Is it, yeah, like what was in there as well about how it's a different thing, you know, speaking about it in an interview setting. Because you communicate your feelings in your music in a way that you feel comfortable with, does that impact the way that you would maybe express yourself uh, with your music? Not even necessarily just in a, an interview, but in a conversation at large. Does it make it easier to talk about certain things if you tackle them in that domain first? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think it... Mm, for me, at least, it's like um, you're just expressing or just working through things that are maybe challenging. I mean, I feel about our shows, like they're very lighthearted. They're sort of these big celebrations. So it's like taking on a lot of darkness, but sort of celebrating all of it and not letting it be a heavy thing, which makes it feel lighter um, to me. I don't know. I think I think um just being involved in that world it's a lot of people trying to communicate and express things you know so to a certain degree it's just exposure therapy where you get better at that as you go along and you see yourself do it and you see other people do it that's another phrase i like exposure therapy yeah (laughs) (laughs) i guess that's what catharsis is isn't it yeah yeah totally totally do you remember the first time you discovered how cathartic music could be yes yes well, I was a ska kid. Nice. <laughs> yeah, a little ska nerd. It was great. It also was great. I mean, it was great because it's like, it is so unabashedly uncool that it's just kind of about having fun. There's no veneer of like everyone's in checkered fedoras, you know? So you aren't insecure about anything. So you go to a ska show when you're 13, you're like the most insecure person in the world. And it's like, oh, let's all skank. And then you do it. (laughs) This is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It was formative because it was so positive and so not this uh, cerebral cool guy thing. And you're just like, I'm having fun and I don't care. (laughs) And then you have that and you can bring that to other things. And I think, I don't know, in a sense, like when people are just reacting, like performances, I just... I feel like everyone responds to when someone is literally just reacting to themselves, you know, and like going all the way with that, you know, because it's intense and like you can't fake it. I mean, you can fake it, but I think I think that shit smells. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting that the way, you know, you discovered that music was cathartic through someone else's music before you discovered it in your own. You know, by yeah. going to those people's shows and kind of uncovering it in that way. Was it a different feeling when you wrote something that was cathartic for the first time or were you tapping into the same thing? Uh, I think it was definitely different. I got the same kind of catharsis playing shows or it was, you know, it was what uh, my reference point was for what I wanted to happen when we started playing shows. But I think, you know, writing has always been more... You know, I think live it's like just riding all this energy and it's exuberant and like exciting and I don't know, it's just adrenaline. And then, and writing is for me, it's just sort of, I think when it works well, I sort of just shut my, shut my higher brain off and 
let myself go, but in a lot more uh, subdued way. I guess it goes back to what we were saying about exploration earlier on as well. Like it, that's yeah, yeah, definitely. Or you know, it's also just for me. It's like it's a lot about just shutting off a lot of noise and voices, you know, in your head, and kind of just uh, letting yourself be honest, which is challenging. Or I mean, it's also it's like you have to you have to give yourself enough trust that you could potentially make something that sucks. There has to be. You know, if you're if you're exploring and you're trying things, you have to just uh, turn that voice off, you know, be uncritical enough to make something that could be potentially exciting, you know, which by the same card could also be shit. Yeah. And they often say that it's more important to be able to express ideas, whether they're good or bad in a band, than it is to just have the confidence to express good ones, if that makes sense. It's about having a freedom to say anything, no matter whether it's going to fall into, you know, either side of the quality line. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And yeah, I mean, I'm sort of of the mind that like, I'll have 20 kind of terrible ideas and then there's one that I'm like, oh, yep, that's that's the one, you know, (laughs) sort of like letting yourself get them all out and then parsing through them to figure out which is worthwhile. But I also get a lot of that from... um. Zach and Drew, because, you know, a lot of it is based on their reaction to things. Are you watching them quite closely when you play it for the first time? You can, I mean, yeah, I can just like tell when it's something they're feeling and they're into just on how they're reacting and how they're playing and whatnot. What you were saying a few moments ago as well about how, you know, songwriting, when you're writing, it's a way for you to kind of clear some of the noise out of your head and get rid of the voices and just focus in on one thing. Is there anywhere else in your life you can get that that isn't music? That kind of ability just to... Yeah, everything aside. I mean, I do like, I was foraging a lot last year, mushroom foraging. Um, what kind of mushrooms? Not psychedelic. Um, <laughs> those ones are hard to find. Not in Scotland. Well, there's just, there's a lot of things that look like psychedelic mushrooms that are in fact poisonous. But the, yeah, apparent, I didn't know this when I started, but I'm in... People travel from all over the world to come foraging here because of it's like some of the best conditions for mushrooms to grow. So, yeah, I mean, all kinds. But, yeah, just come home with a giant basket of mushrooms every day and that would be dinner. It's nice. But, but yeah, it's this, you know, it's this thing where you're just hyper focused and searching in the woods for hours, you know, and walking and kind of not thinking about anything. Um, So that biking in the same way like distance biking i do like yoga and meditation so that's definitely honestly i think meditation has been massive for songwriting because it's not letting all of it's like shutting off the parts of your brain that are the minutiae of your life you know which is really helpful because it's like you know i i also i feel like um social media for me it makes you just spend so much time in other people's thoughts that it's really hard to differentiate what you are feeling and what people are telling you to feel. So it's this thing. It's like, I have to just find a way to clear that out uh, or I can't, I can't write at all. Or think. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like you're inundated. There's just so much stimuli coming at you. It's hard to differentiate, which is 
important and which isn't. What techniques have you developed for doing that? Just the meditation stuff or? Uh, I just stopped. Lo- I mean, I try to not look at it before like noon. There was there was a couple times during quarantine where I just was like, I'm just not going to. I'm not doing my phone for a week, which was nice. Yeah, just like creating boundaries with that stuff. Because it's like, you know, it's like candy. You're just like, I'm bored. And instead of doing something, you just flip open your phone. And you're like, nah, colors. <laughs> <laughs> Moving so, images. Yeah. It's getting worse as well, especially something have you seen TikTok, you know, the way you open that and it's just playing instantly. Yeah. Man, but like, do you feel like, I feel like when I'm stuck in the scroll, like, I feel like I black out. You know, I'll be doing it. It'll be 30 minutes later. I'll just look up and I won't even know what I did or what I looked at. I'll just be like, I don't even know what just happened, but I don't feel good. <laughs> I used to, I don't have any of it on my phone anymore. I've got Instagram because you can only post to that through the phone. Right, right, right. <laughs> With the notifications turned off. But yeah, I kind of cut. I like having it on the computer and that only because you're still, you're not out of the loop. Yeah. But you're not on it all the time. It's, it's a nice exactly. balance. You can come to it. Yeah. You're also less likely to scroll when you actually have to like open a computer, type in a tab instead of just like pushing a button, if you know what I mean. Definitely. Definitely. Well, that's the thing too. Yeah. I just started treating it like email, like all of it. Cause it's all sort of, it starts band related cause I manage all that stuff, but it's just like sort of devolves into, you're just on your phone all the fucking time. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I also, I just feel like, um, I mean, I grew up pre-social media, sort of, which I'm hyped for, like, 90s kid. You must have been right on the cusp, though. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it really started becoming a thing. Like, Facebook was a thing when I was in high school, and then people really started getting it. I think I got, like, an Instagram when I was, like, 20 or 21 or something. And then that's when it sort of became, it just changed. I just, I always think it must be really strange to be um, like a kid right now with social media. We toured with this older band. They had kids and I was like, what's up with your kids? And they're like talking about social media and they're like, they're scared to do things because they're surveilled by their peers constantly. And if they look dumb it's captured forever. And I'm just like, that's terrible. Like becoming an adult is literally doing stupid shit and learning from it until you're (laughs) hopefully doing a little, you know what I mean? It's just like kids should be able to uh, act a fool. Well, I had it all the way through high school. It was there from when I was like 12 or whatever. That's crazy. I don't think it really stopped me doing stupid shit though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, you just, you just have an archive of, uh, of all of your stupid shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is a way. It's crazy to think that like, this is what I always say is that like seven years ago or whatever, maybe even six, it wasn't really a thing. Like not in the no. way that it is now when everyone's on their phone. It's such a recent thing. That's what we kind of don't think about. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's just, and that's the thing. I think just with quarantine, everyone being home, it, it can become, you know, there's limits in your day to day if you're not trapped in your house all the time. So where you're just like, it's not an option to be in that world all the time but at home it's like that can there's no limit you know so it's just 
creating one, I guess. That's kind of what Out of It's about on the last record. Trying to find a moment where you can kind of pause and remove yourself from the chaos and all the motion and all the craziness that's going on all the time. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, just like, you know, finding some quiet or creating some quiet for yourself. You know, I think this year has been a crash course in uh, figuring that out. (laughs) I think we haven't had any option but to either do that or you go crazy. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I've had bouts of uh, sober 30 days, drunk seven days, like... Yeah, there's been a there's been a number of healthy habits and then not so healthy habits that have But I think everyone like when this all started, did you have this like oh there's like summer camp, you know? Like this will be over soon, so like we'll just make soup and get drunk for the two weeks while COVID lasts. I kinda I kinda did a bit of both. I wor- I felt like I worked a lot on this nine till five. Nice. And then we'll get drunk five till twelve. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. So I got the balance. Uh, would you get drunk with the bands? No, I said I got the balance. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, that's what it's all about. When did it? When did that start for you, though? When did it? You kind of get that summer camp feeling start to fade, and the idea sit in that oh no, this is going to be for a little while. Oh man. Uh Well, I mean that that maybe lasted a month. I mean, because then the heaviness of just everything that has happened in the States sort of set in. You see, one, like the scope of the crisis, and two, how ineffectively our government has dealt with it. And uh, I mean, just I think our system was, has been tested in so many ways and failed in so many ways. And it's just so plain to see for so many people you know i think people that maybe will the system ever change i don't know (laughs) that'd be that'd be that'd be tight (laughs) uh i don't know we'll see it's just i mean it's a little less chaotic you know it's not like what did the idiot say today where's he gone mar-a-lago baby where's that down in florida okay yeah i think he just had his first he had a a little speech and meeting the other day, but I love to like he, his farewell speech. He just goes, have a nice life. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, yeah. He is a fascinating guy, like horrible guy, but he's going to be an interesting one to look back in, you know, 20 years or whatever. When they're looking back at history and trying to unpack what happened here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, yeah, just the the idiosyncrasies of who he is have to come into play in a big way. Like, they're, you know, you see someone like that and you go, how did you become who you are? You know, I think it'll be a point of interest, definitely. I think it already is. Like, I think his sister or his niece, somebody in his family just wrote a book about him that they were trying to stop from getting published. But it it was basically... (laughs) Uh, sort of a look inside the psyche of Donald Trump, um, and how he became who he is. But yeah, woo. Can you, you know, can you see that in your records too? Like when you look back, we were saying that you've written them, you know, you started writing records at like 17, now you're 25. When you look at the writing on each album, can you see a progression of you as a person and, and you changing over the course of those albums through the writing itself? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. That's the thing. I mean, I think just by nature of your age, your environment, your life experience up until that point, you know, it's bound to change. And it's, I think that's why, you know, like a record like Gawk, 
it's made by a teenager for teenagers and now teenagers like it. And, you know, hopefully the ones we make when we're older reflect that age. But I mean, I, I also just think, yeah, I just feel like I know what I'm doing a bit more, you know, which is nice. I mean, yeah, I, I would hope so. If it didn't change, I, I think it would be hard to want to keep making stuff. Or, or some feel, I've always just kind of felt like if it feels new to us, then it's new, you know? Like it doesn't need to be like, this is, there's never been a song like this. Or it's more just like, we've never made a song like this or about this or writing like this. And that's exciting enough to uh, want to do it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 